Thank you for tuning in to this edition of Kingsway Podcast from Pastor Sean. You are about to hear a message from a recent Sunday service. We consider it a privilege to be on a spiritual journey with you. So take a few moments with us and allow God to inspire you today. As you heard from Amber and you saw from the video, this is meant to be a tribute service to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Amen. We want to commemorate this day in history like we would commemorate any other day that we celebrate for American history, whether that be Veterans Day or Memorial Day. We make a big deal about that. Because I believe that God is good all the time. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Say with me, God is good. All the time. And all the time. God is good. You know, Martin Luther King Jr., I think, I think he would say those words. And I think he meant those words. When he said in his most famous speech, He said, even though we face difficult times of today and tomorrow, I have a dream. He is saying that despite what we see around us, despite what we hear around us, despite what our future looks like, whether it be good or it be bad that he had a dream because he knew that despite the circumstances God is good he lived in a time he lived in a location where it didn't seem very good church in Atlanta Georgia in Tennessee in Mississippi it was filled with hate bigotry, prejudice. But despite those difficult times, he believed that God would still be at work. He believed that God was good despite the color of the skin, despite the location and area which we grew up, despite what we could see with our naked eye. But his dream was bigger than just the South. His dream led to Colorado, to New Hampshire, to New York and California. See, he believed that God was good all the time, everywhere. And it required us to have a voice. He made tremendous progress. Yet, there is more progress to be made, church. Do you hear me? There is more progress to be made. I believe he would be proud to hear that the churches of today still believe in the blood of Jesus, still believe in the word of God, still believe in the anointed worship. He'd be happy to see that churches are unified and diverse. He'd be happy to see the music and the preaching creative. And I think he would be happy to know that we stand, that we stand for one another. And when those who do not have a voice, we will stand up and give that very voice. And it is unfortunate, it is terrible that our unborn children do not have a voice to stand for. And so this also marks what we are trying to do this week on Thursday. We are having a conference right here in this sanctuary. We are filling it with all the churches from the area to come to celebrate the sanctity of life. To provide a voice for the unborn child, to provide a way for the mothers that need help. Thursday will be the conference here at 7 p.m. Friday, we will descend upon D.C. and we will share our voice to anyone who will see and hear The march on D.C. takes place and millions will go. 
and to stand up for something, church, and to use your voice and to use that which God has given you. God has blessed you in so many ways. And he is so good despite what we see, despite what you feel at times, despite all the progress yet to be made, he is good. Amen. Many of us aren't here today. Still, many of us are sick. I've prayed for countless people this week as I've gotten phone calls and received phone calls. And I learned when you get sick, you can lose your voice in that process. You look just like this. You start, you start doing this and your voice gets scratchy. And we've had bronchitis and laryngitis and, and flu and pneumonia. So many things have gone through the community. And you can lose your voice that way. I want you to think about losing your voice this morning. The British minister, W.E. Sangster, he began to lose his voice and his mobility in the mid-1950s. He had a disease that caused progressive muscular atrophy. He recognized the end was near, so he threw himself into writing and praying. In the midst of his suffering, he pleaded, let me stay in the struggle, Lord. I don't mind if I can no longer be a general, but give me a regimen to lead. Sanctor's voice eventually failed completely, and his legs became useless. On Easter morning, just a few weeks before his death, he took a pen and shakenly wrote his daughter a letter. In it, he said, it is terrible to wake up on Easter morning and have no voice with which to shout, he is risen. But it would be still more terrible to have a voice and not want to shout. Heavenly Father, Lord, I pray today that this congregation, every soul under the sound of my voice, everyone listening online or elsewhere that hears this message would hear this point today that yet, Lord, you have given us a voice that we are to use for your glory and your honor. Father God, I pray today that you would rise up within us the well of living water, that we may use your voice for your glory and your honor. Father God, I pray today that you would embolden those without courage. Lord, that you would enlighten those with it. And Father God, with our voices together in one heart, one mind, and one accord, we would make a difference in this church. We would make a difference in that community. We would make a difference, Father, in our country. Lord God, that we would make a difference in this world. I pray you would give us that vision, that inspiration, that purpose, and that power today. We have the passion, Lord God. Now we need your power. In Jesus' name, I pray. And the church says, amen. Amen. I've learned that there are two ways to lose your voice. You can succumb to the sickness around you, or you can begin to perpetually shout over and over and over again, something until you lose your voice. Today is about both of those stories. Either way, when you lose your voice, you will become quiet, silenced. Today is to ask that question, what would it be like if we were silenced? The Word says in Esther, Chapter 4, verse 14. If you keep quiet at a time like this, I ask you the same question. What would it be if you kept quiet at a time such as this? You may ask, what time is it, Pastor Sean? This is not the time for me to tell you at how great America is and how wonderful our country is and how amazing our government and military and politics and economics are. This is a time for us to recognize that in every one of our lives, in every community we live in, in every neighborhood we step foot in, there exists hatred. 
there exists injustice across the globe. There are people in our family who are hurting. There are those who are helpless. Yet there are those who are filled with arrogance. Those who wish to be empowered by oppression. There are those who are fueled by revenge and opt to bully. There are so many reasons to raise your voice. If we continue to keep quiet at such a time as this, the progress will not be made, church. The unborn child cannot even raise their voice. They require you to go far more than checking yes or no. They require you to lift your voice. What if? What if has been the theme of the sermons over the last few weeks? What if the Lord would no longer answer our prayer? Would it even matter? Are you praying prayers that matter? What if the church we know just disappeared? Would it even matter? Is the church making a difference? Today I ask you, what if the voice, what if your Jesus voice was lost for good? What is your Jesus voice, you may ask? Well, many of us are blessed with words. We're blessed with semantics and grammar and articulation. We can communicate at work. We can communicate on text message. We can communicate apparently with hieroglyphics and emojis. We can communicate in all sorts of ways. And at times, we choose to communicate about Jesus. That is your Jesus voice. It is the moment in time where you use your voice to say his name. You use his voice to tell his story. You use your voice to encourage someone about what Jesus has done in your life, what Jesus has done at your church, what Jesus has done through your prayer. All of us at times have used this voice, maybe at times in Sunday school or in a church pew or in the lobby, and perhaps if you're so bold in your neighborhood or at your workplace or at a family gathering, but I ask you today, if you lost that Jesus voice for good, would it even matter? Some of us, some of us don't use our Jesus voice and we may say, no, it wouldn't matter. Shame on you. If God could yet die for our sins and take the burden of the world on him for no wrongdoing of his own, then at a minimum we can say his name. But I know that there are many in this congregation that use their Jesus voice almost daily. And it would be a shame if they were no longer able to speak in freedom the name of Jesus. Where would we be if we could not tell God to use us to those around us? Even our own family, our children, the little ones and the grown ones, our grandchildren, need to hear about Jesus, and they won't just hear about it by reading this book. They will hear it through you. Would it even matter? How would the world change today if those around us, those who have the biggest voice among us, who have the biggest platform, if they lost their Jesus voice, how would the world change and I believe emphatically that it would change dramatically if those preachers, pastors, apostles, bishops, prophets, healers, if they ceased to mention the name of Jesus, I believe we would live in a far nastier place. But yet we are able to speak his name and what part are we doing? This message is about using your voice. Not all of you are called to be up in front of a pulpit reading the word of God or teaching it in Sunday school. 
But all of you have been given breath. You've been given life. You've been given movement and that by the Holy Spirit. Let's look today, if you will, to the book of Esther. If you want, you can turn to your scriptures. It's in the Old Testament. That's the first half of your Bible. It's after Nehemiah and the Chronicles and the Kings. It's right before Job. If you get to Psalms, you've gone too far. Esther, chapter 4 is what I want to focus on. And I don't have time in this service to read all of the chapters, but I give you homework, I tell you today. Before, I was being a little more casual and lenient. As the year progresses, I'm going to be more stern. I encourage you to do the homework. And there's extra credit, too. The homework is to open your Bibles up to Esther and to read the book, the entire book of Esther. It is but, what, nine chapters, I believe. Ten, there's a short one at the end. You could do this in one sitting. You could do this after a meal, before you go to bed. You could do it in the morning for your devotion. Read the whole book in its entirety. We'll talk about it this morning. It's about losing your voice. It's about using your voice. The extra credit is simple. Given tomorrow, many of us are off. We have lots of plans that we plan to do with our extra free time. I encourage you, with five minutes in your day tomorrow, to take the time to log on to your phone, to use YouTube or Google, and to type in Martin Luther King Jr., I Have a Dream, and to listen to the speech that he gave many years ago. Listen to the power and conviction. Listen to the passion of one man that was but five foot seven who didn't watch football or pursue nameless debate, but a man who was well-educated, a man who was well-spoken, and a man who had something to say that we all needed to hear. I encourage you to do that tomorrow. Five minutes is all that will take. And by the way, your kids will love it. All of my kids have listened to it. They enjoyed listening to it. They didn't turn it off. They listened to the whole five minutes. Do it as a family affair. I encourage you. Now back to Esther. Esther is a phenomenal book in the Bible. It's preached and used for so many reasons, and today we're going to use it for this tribute. There's a couple characters in Esther and I want you to be familiar with, so I'm going to walk you through it real quick. There was a king. There was a king, and as any king shall have, he needs a queen. So the king was looking for a queen. And as he should have it, he held effectively a beauty contest to bring all the single women to the court that he may meet and choose among them the next one to be his queen. Another group of people was the Jewish people at that time. And of these Jewish people was a man named Mordecai who was an unlikely father. You see, his brother had children and his brother and his brother's wife passed away and he took the parenting responsibilities of the daughter Esther. Mordecai was this uncle who was now parenting Esther. Jewish they were and they believed that God had a purpose for them in this foreign land. And so him and Esther went to the king's court and he entered Esther into this ceremony. God used Esther, and Esther became queen. She was beautiful. She was godly. At the same time that this was all happening, while the king was getting to know Esther, a man rised up in the ranks named Haman. He was the second in command. He was the hand of the king. Now Haman, maybe not originally or initially, but Haman became quite engrossed with his reputation, with his popularity, with his power. He became glorified in his own mind, and so he began to walk the streets. He began to walk the city, and while the king was preoccupied with his new queen, he began to make everyone bow before him in the name of the king. Mordecai, the uncle, himself in his own right, became a political official, 
And when Haman came around Mordecai and expected him to bow, Mordecai did not. He used his voice, he used his position to stand up for God and who he believed in. This enraged Haman. Haman wasn't just mad at Mordecai. He began to research him. He realized he didn't just want to hurt him. He didn't just want to kill him. He wanted to eradicate his entire race. The words are written in Esther chapter 3. It says in verse 5, When Haman saw that Mordecai would not bow down and show him respect, he was filled with rage. He had learned of Mordecai's nationality, so he decided it was not enough to just lay hands on Mordecai alone. Instead, he looked for a way to destroy all the Jews throughout the empire. An example in Scripture of mass genocide, of mass prejudice, of mass racism. Ordering death to all the Jews. Mordecai does what he knows how to do, begins to pray and seek the help of his adopted daughter, Esther, who is now the queen. He sends her a letter asking for help. He receives a letter back noticing that Esther is wavering. She's not prepared for this situation. She doesn't know how to respond and is unsure. And Mordecai responds in one of the greatest speeches ever given, and it was all done in writing. Esther is moved by the words. She's moved to pray. She's moved to fast. She's moved to throw a banquet for the king. In this banquet, the king is moved himself for his love for his new queen. She doesn't say anything at that time. The king goes to sleep that night. And is stirred and unsettled for what's going on. Not quite sure what the banquet's about. Not quite sure what's going on. He feels unrest in his spirit. The king, through an interesting story which you can read in but a few words, is enlightened by what's going on around him. Seeks his wife once again. His wife then shares with him the true story of what Haman is trying to do. And in the same way that Haman had set up to eradicate the Jews and kill and make an example of Mordecai in that same way by impaling by a 20-foot pole, the king decided to impale Haman. And Mordecai was elevated to the hand of the king. What an amazing story. It's the kind of stuff that trilogies and sagas are written about. It's the kind of stuff that the History Channel or HBO would make billions on. And yet here, it's in our very Bible. I encourage you to read it, to learn it, to understand it, to seek guidance and vision from it. And many times this is preached, the focus is on Esther, and we'll get to Esther in a moment. But today, I want you to take another look at the story I just told you. I want you to take a look at yourself. Because this scripture and this story cries out about Haman. And how much does Haman live in each one of us? How many of us fall short to our own arrogance? How many of us want to seek revenge when we are dishonored? How many of us seek for control, not just a situation or our own lives, but through manipulation or other tactics, seek to control others? How many of us at times are quick not just to judge an action, but to judge a person or an entire people group? And before you say, that's not me, that never happens and without talking about the context of racism, it happens every day when we talk about our government. People hate one people from the other side for no other reason than they're on the other side. I hear conversations all the time. I want to hear nothing about what they say. They're evil. I don't want to hear about what they say. 
they're ignorant. We've learned to hate simply because of who someone is associated with. And yet, where is our voice? Let me be very clear. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, he was there in the beginning. He was there when the Spirit brewed over the earth. He was there when God said, let there be light. He was there in the creation of mankind, and he was part through his creative spirit in creating all mankind. Let me be very clear. I categorically, indefinitely, confidently abhor racism, everything it stands for, and every outcome therein. I believe the scripture inerrantly teaches against it. I believe that God has created each and every one of us, and that wasn't enough, so he died for each and every one of us. I believe that even then, he said, I need to remind them. So he came to earth, walked with us, talked with us, went to some of the most racist groups on the planet and said, love your neighbor. And in case anyone wasn't clear as he was heading out of this world, he said, go ye and baptize all the nations. Leave none out. Be no respecter of persons. But to love. This is the God we serve. This is the voice that's supposed to be inside each and every one of us. How will we use it? What will we do? Are we wasting the talent that God has given us to rise up and make the progress that we need to make in this church, in this community? I don't know. But the Lord has asked me to question today, and the Lord has brought me to Esther. Let's look at Esther in a little more detail. If you go to chapter 4, and you read, I want to read it. Mordecai told the whole story, including the exact amount of money Haman had promised to pay the treasury for the destruction of the Jews. You see, Haman was paying people to kill them. Mordecai gave Hathak, that was the messenger, a copy of the decree issued that called for the death of all the Jews. He asked Hathak to show it to Esther and explain the situation. He asked Hathak to direct her to go to the king and beg for mercy and plead for her people. So Hathak returned to Esther with Mordecai's message. Then Esther told Hathak to go back and relay the message to Mordecai all the king's officials and even the people in the provinces know that anyone who appears before the king in his inner court without being invited is doomed to die unless the king holds out his gold scepter and the king has not called for me to come to him yet for another 30 days. Basically saying, I cannot help you. I cannot do what you ask. My own life is at stake. You must find another way. Mordecai stood up, used his voice, used his situation, used his power to try to influence the world around him, and he was met with resistance by his own people. In this case, the queen, who lost her voice because of the sickness around her because of that which she saw in her culture, because of that of which she is being told by her government, that which she feared for her own life and comfort, she had lost her voice. Mordecai had not. In verse 13, Mordecai sent this reply to Esther. Do not think for a moment that because you are in the palace, you will escape when all the other Jews are killed. If you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief for the Jews will arise, but from some other place. But you and your relatives will die. Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such 
a time as this. Amen. What a speech. What a speech. What a voice. What impact did this have? Then Esther sent the reply to Mordecai, Go and gather all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat or drink for three days, night or day. My maids and I will do the same. Then, though it is against the law, I will go see the king. If I must die, then I must die. What a powerful story, church. And as you know, she goes to the king. She doesn't die, and instead Haman is killed, and Mordecai is elevated. So I want you to look at these scriptures with me once again. Don't think for a moment that because you're in the palace, you will escape Esther 4, verse 13. I want to highlight a special set of words to get you to focus for a second. You're in the palace. You're in the palace. There's a great commercial that's on TV today. I believe it's a Honda commercial. The commercial is chock full of great philosophy about success. It says, be weary of success. Be cautious of it. For it can dull you into complacency. See, when you are the best, when you have achieved success, you stop progressing. You stop trying to do better. You wonder if you can continue to lead the pack. And yet it is those who have not yet achieved success. It is those who are under the struggle who continue to progress. It is those who need the impetus to push forward that ultimately break new ground. And that is what Mordecai is saying. You are in the palace with great success, but beware of the palace. Beware of that which makes you happy and comfortable. Today, many of you live in a palace. At home, in a nice home, in a nice neighborhood. You come to church in a palace with nice pews and heat and carpets, sound system and lights and video. It is easy to become comfortable. It is easy to be happy. It is imperative to some of you to then avoid confrontation. Why say anything that will upset anyone? Let's not upset the apple cart. Because we live in a palace, church, and I encourage you today to examine the palace you live in and ask yourself if you're being too comfortable, if you're avoiding confrontation, if you frankly aren't using your voice for what God has asked you to do. It happens to the best of us, even Esther. Let's continue to look at the next verse. It says, if you keep quiet at a time like this, deliverance and relief will arise from some other place. Verse 14, now I highlighted a different part of the scripture, will arise from some other place. This is the holy word of God. He will deliver his people. He will answer his prayer. He will be made manifest. His word will not return void. His promises will be answered. They are yea and amen. Do you see, church, if it is not you, he will work through someone else. The question is, why not you? Why not you? Why not you today? Why can't you use your voice? Why can't you use your church? Why can't you use your prayers? Why not you, church? Why not me? A lot younger than all the pastors that stood here before me, a whole lot less training than all the pastors that stood here before me. A whole lot less seasoning than the pastors who stood here before me. Not one of those pastors who stood here before me was this their first church pastoring. They had huge success prior. Many more talents than preaching, singing, and prophecy, and gifts abound. But if I sat in the pew just like you and didn't ask this question, why not me, where would we be today? I don't know. Where would I be today? I don't know. But God has given me a Jesus voice and he has given you one as well. Will you use it today? The scripture says later in verse 14, 
Who knows if perhaps you were made queen for such a time as this. For just such a time as this. As I communicated to you last week, we are on a journey. And on that journey, there are many stops. There are many memorials to see. There are many events to behold. You are on a journey, church. This may be your destination. This may be a pit stop. This may be a time for you simply to take it in. But I tell you, on this journey, you have a role. And in this place, and in this time, you have a purpose in your situation. The death of the parents of Esther led to Mordecai taking her in, going to a foreign land, being oppressed. Allowed Mordecai to rise up to his true self, allowed Esther to become her true self. It changed the course of history. What is the reason for this moment in your journey? What is the reason for your voice? And how will you use your voice today? How will you use your voice? Because the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. was not phased by his circumstance, was not phased by his environment. In fact, in the time of Rosa Parks and the bus fiasco, he was inspired. Ensuing then came the bus boycott for many years while a young man in his 20s, father a pastor, decided to become pastor himself in a local Baptist church, began to preach the word of God. And this man, this man began to see what was evil in the world, that which was happening in churches, in schools, at Selma, and began to use it for God's good. He had a voice. Today, my I say to you today, my friend, even though we face the difficulties of today and tomorrow, I still have a dream. I still have a dream. I still have a dream. It is a dream deeply rooted in the American dream. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men all people are created are equal. Created Toda la gente fue creada igual. I have a dream that one day, on the red hills of Georgia, the sons of former slaves and the sons of former slave owners will be able to sit down together at the table of brotherhood. I have a dream that one day, even the state of Mississippi, a state sweltering with the heat of injustice, sweltering with the heat of oppression, will be transformed into an oasis of freedom and justice. I have a dream that my four little children I have a dream that my four little children will one day live in a nation where they will not be judged by the color of their skin but by the content of their character. I have a dream today. I have a dream today. I have a dream that one day little black boys and little black girls will be able to join hands with little white boys and little white girls as sisters and brothers. I have a dream today. Yo tengo un sueño 
hoy. I have a dream that one day every valley shall be exalted and every hill and mountain shall be made low. The rough places will be made plain and the crooked places will be made straight and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together. This is our hope. This is our faith. With this faith, we will be able to hew out of the mountain of despair a stone of hope. With this faith, we will be able to transform the jangling discords, the of, our jangling discords, jangling of, our discords of our nation into a beautiful symphony of brotherhood. With this faith, we'll be able to work together, a trabajar juntas y juntos, to pray together, to struggle together, to go to jail to together, to stand up for freedom together, knowing that we will be free one day. My this will be the day when all of God's children will be able to sing with a new meaning, my country tis of thee, sweet land of liberty, of thee I sing. Land where my fathers died, land of the pilgrims pride. From every mountainside, let freedom ring. Let freedom ring. Que suene la libertad. Let freedom ring. And if America is to be a great nation, this must become true. This must become this true. This must become true. This must become true. Let freedom ring. So let freedom ring from the prodigious hilltops of New Hampshire. Let freedom ring from the mighty mountains of New York. Let freedom ring from the heightening Alleghenies of Pennsylvania. Let freedom ring from the snow-capped Rockies of Colorado. Let freedom ring from the curvaceous slopes of California. But not only that. But not only that. Let freedom ring from Stone Mountain of Georgia. Let freedom ring from Lookout Mountain in Tennessee. Let freedom ring from every hill and every molehill of Mississippi, from every mountainside. Let freedom ring. When this happens, when we allow freedom to ring, when we let it ring from every village and every hamlet, from every state and every city, we will be able to speed up that we'll day. We'll be able to speed up that day with all God's children. Black men and white men, Jews and Gentiles, Protestants and Catholics. We'll be able to join hands and sing in the words of that old Negro spirit. Free at last. Free at last. Finalmente libres. Free at last. Free at last. Free at last. Thank God Almighty, we are free at last. Amen. Church, if that speech doesn't move you, there's not many that will. And I ask you today, what is your voice story? We all have a voice story in the same way we have a church one and a prayer story. Your prayers will matter if you pray awesome and amazing prayers that when answered will change the world around you. Your church will matter when you engage in it in a fashion that will impact the community and those around it. That will lead those out of sin into the light. That will allow those to minister and make more of their life than would be without Jesus Christ. Your voice story is how you tee all that up. It's how you communicate to God. It's how you communicate to your spouse, your family. It's how you communicate to your coworkers. It's how you communicate to those around you, those you enjoy spending time with and those you'd rather not. Your voice story today is critical. And you may not be talented, educated, and capable 
of putting forth such speeches like the ones we heard from the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. You see, because it first starts with courage. And so I pray that each and every one of you would have said courage. That's what we get from this story. Mordecai had courage. Esther, in the face of death, had courage. Together they had courage. And I know this is a church full of courage. I've seen you at events. I've seen you in the community. I've seen you when you didn't know exactly what to do. Well, we have courage, but it requires more than that. Both the story of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. and the story in Esther tell us that there is another element is that of godliness. You see, Esther didn't just whimsically go and try to convince the king. No, she first went to the Lord in prayer. And I believe Martin Luther King did the same with his congregation and his church. He went in prayer and fasting days before they attempted anything. And that wasn't enough for Esther. She got her entire people group, her congregation and, and Mordecai's people to fast and pray with her. They, they rised up the godly people around them. That was the first use of their voice. That is what we're doing right now to rise the church up. But there was one additional element. Besides courage, besides godliness, this is what I preach to you every week, day in, day out, and I want you to see it again in the scripture. They were willing to offer themselves. What do you mean, Pastor Sean? Martin Luther King offered all that he had, his very own life, his time, his energy, was put in jail, was oppressed. He offered all that he had to offer for our country and the betterment of his people. But let's look at Esther for a moment. What did she have to offer? Well, she had her beauty. God gave it to her. And she decided to use it for his glory. How would the world change if the women of this world decided to use their beauty for God's kingdom? But church, get a hold of this. Esther decided to throw a banquet. She didn't preach a message. She didn't understand the depths of Scripture. She did the only thing she knows how to do. She threw a banquet. She cooked some food. And that meal changed the course of history. You may have the words today, you may not. But each and every one of you have a talent. You can watch a child. You can speak to that child about Jesus. You can teach him through a crayon or a coloring book. You can play a game and mention how great God is. You can cook a meal, serve a meal, clean up a meal. And it may be the very meal that reaches someone who would never hear about Jesus. This could be your voice story. Will you stand with me? Every soul standing, sitting, singing, or in this building today has a significant and life-changing role to play at Kingsway Christian Center. You may not be aware of it. You may not think of it. You may be scared of it. But we desperately need you. We pray often for every single name that's standing here. The ministry you have in your head is too small. The one that God has for you is far greater. 
It is not prescribed by me. It is not in a job description. It is in your very soul. But it requires you to raise your hand, to be the called out, to use what God has given you, trained or untrained, Christian for a decade or just a few days. God has a purpose for such a time as this. What will 2018 mean for you and your ministry? You may think to yourself, if I don't use my voice, Pastor Sean, I will still make it into heaven. I will stand before Jesus and I will be righteous and I will walk through those gates. And while that may be true, church, let me remind you that if you fail to use your voice, when you stand in front of Jesus that day, he may not be recounting your sin or your problems for those who have washed away, but he will stand there and recount every opportunity that you had to use your skills, your voice, and your ministry on this planet and chose not to. And you will stand there until he is done. Today is the day where you choose to rewrite that script and allow him to unfold for you what he will have for you in 2018. Who is with me? Kingsway is birthing something that I cannot describe. But it requires you to pray broader, expect bigger, and be willing to be used by Him. We at Kingsway hope you enjoyed this message from Pastor Sean. It was not by chance you listened to it. God is speaking to you. Visit kingswaycc.org to find the podcast from Pastor Sean. We pray today that this somehow inspired you to draw closer to God and to connect with His people, His purpose, and His power. God bless you.